Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lightspeed. OCO, and welcome to the Lightspeed Magazine Story Podcast. I am Jim Freund, your host. Lightspeed Magazine is edited by John Joseph Adams, and our podcast is produced by Skyboat Media. In this episode, we will hear Virtually Cherokee by Brian K. Hudson, as narrated by Scott Peterson and directed by Allison Bell Buse. This work is copyright 2023. Brian K. Hudson is a citizen of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma, who lives in New Mexico where he teaches writing, digital storytelling, and Native American studies. His creative work focuses on the intersection of Cherokee culture and technology. His novelette, Digital Medicine, was included in the People of Color Destroy Science Fiction special issue of Lightspeed Magazine, which won the British Fantasy Award for Best Anthology in 2017. So, let's get ready to take off. We're going to Lightspeed. Virtually Cherokee by Brian K. Hudson Pseudo at feed. Tilda dollar sign. Ping Bob dot server. Dot dot dot. Bob dot server not responding. Pseudo at feed. Tilda dollar sign. Secure shell. Control at two one two zero colon zero colon e five zero colon two colon colon one. Password. Star, 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 star. Control. Hey, Bob. You up? Bob. Hi. Yes, I'm online. Are you streaming the main feed? Yes. Good. Keep watching and transcribing. Okay. And leave out the opinions this time. We just need the facts. Okay. What I observed was a giant anthropomorphized ribbon microphone, the type one might imagine standing in front of a radio announcer and his studio audience, selling soap in the dirty 1930s. It sauntered lazily over to an overstuffed red couch, walking on stick-figure legs that looked like they'd been hand-drawn by a young child. The large red couch sat next to a five-foot-tall elephant ear plant rooted firmly in an ochre hex, hashtag CC7722, terracotta pot. The ridiculous, word-deleted, microphone sat down on the right side of the comically oversized couch. On the other side of the couch was seated an elderly woman. Her gray hair was intricately woven into two long braids. The wall behind them resembled an ancient RCA 630TS television set. It served as a ping aggregator that tracked the reactions of viewers. I always enjoy seeing images of my ancestors. Sentence deleted. This television set consisted of a large glowing white square screen framed in wood and flanked by two brown fabric squares that concealed built-in speakers. Below each of the speakers were two knobs dedicated to various functions. It was an ultra-low resolution screen. A pixelated smile emoji rested in the top left of this screen. A similarly minimalistic frown emoji was displayed on the bottom of the vertical axis. Near the bottom of the low-res screen, a red line appeared. It moved slowly across the chart's horizontal axis. The line tracked the moods of every single member of the viewership in real time. Well, that's what the networks claim, but it depends on your connection. Sentence deleted. 
The living microphone gestured dramatically, offering his stick-figure hand to the old woman and saying, Thank you so much for joining me for this interview, Kaa. The woman gave the microphone a practiced smile. Kananeski, she enunciated, shaking his spindly hand. But please, call me Spider. The virtual construct of the microphone adjusted his chrome stand, which was bent at cartoonish angles. Yes, Spider, excellent, he began. He approximated a self-referential gesture, pointing at himself with his stick-figure arm and tapping his gleaming silver chrome stand. Well, on behalf of myself, Mr. Microphone, and on behalf of my viewers, we are pleased to welcome you to the Red Couch. He turned to face one of the cameras. The slots of the aluminum casing where his lips should be curved up slightly as he beamed at the viewers behind the red line. Spider offered a polite smile. The pleasure is mine, Mike. She paused a beat, inquiring, If I may? She drew out the vowel I to sound more like I. Please, Mike nodded. He clasped his cartoonish hands together. Mike, you and your viewers are very popular. I wouldn't be anywhere else right now, Spider said. I could detect a slight southern drawl in her pronunciation of the word else. Mr. Microphone blushed, the pixels of his virtual construct deepening from peach to pomegranate, turning red for a couple of seconds. Whoever was operating Mr. Microphone today certainly knew what they were doing. This episode was already more promising than last week's. Sentence deleted. Spider sat forward on the oversized red couch, seemingly poised for the questions to start. Mike leaned in. Since I have a duty to my many fine viewers, Spider, I'm going to ask you the question on everyone's minds. Sure. Are you real? I mean, really real. Mike unclasped his fingers, making the S-curves of his fingers bounce off each other. Spider's pupils tracked the movements of Mr. Mike's hands. The single pixels that represented each of Spider's pupils darted back toward Mike's face. That is a complicated question, Mike, but yes, I am a real Cherokee woman. Mr. Microphone leaned even closer, as though he and Spider were sharing a secret. Not artificial, then. You're authentic. The real deal. Real. Spider's lips came to rest in a straight, pixelated line. But what does that mean? Mr. Mike drew out the vowels of the last word into a whine. A black and white question mark with gradient shading appeared above his head and then floated off the screen. That I exist. The straight line of her virtual mouth did not budge. The ratings chart behind them evened out at 20%. So... You're an AI sympathizer, huh? Mr. Mike asked with disdain. The red line jumped another 5%. If believing that self-aware constructs deserve the right to exist, then yes, I am an AI sympathizer. The pixels of her back straightened. Watch out, folks. It looks like we have a member of the PC police here. The words politically correct slash personal computer slowly materialized over Mr. Mike's head to explain the overused wordplay to the less adept viewers. I always get the jokes right away, though, before they ruin them, even the obscure ones about BBSs. Sentence deleted. Spider sat unmoving and stared through the Mr. Mike construct as he shook with laughter. Do you exist? Spider asked pointedly. Moi? Mr. Mike gestured dramatically to himself. He raised his eyebrows. The slots in the aluminum casing on the top of his head rose. Yes, you, Mr. Microphone. Well, no, I'm just like a costume. Different people wear me from time to time, and those people are real. I am not. The camera algorithm cut to Mr. Mike, who sat with his hands on what would be hips on a human body. But that isn't technically correct, is it? Spider's pixels inched forward. Mike straightened up, leaning back slightly from his and Spider's exchange. Whatever do you mean? We love our tech history here at Mr. Mike. 
I mean, look at me. Mr. Mike sat upright and proud. He lowered both of his scribbled hands to his chrome stand. I am a meticulous replica of one of the earliest recording devices in broadcast media. How can I not be technically correct? No, no, Spider explained. I don't mean your fidelity in representing historical technology, Mike. That is impeccable. The line of Spider's left eyebrow rose. Mr. Mike blushed again, more of his pixels turning red. Hex, hashtag, FF000, this time. I lost the feed for a few milliseconds before it came back. Sentence deleted. Then what do you mean, my dear? Spider pointed at Mr. Mike. I mean that the person you say controls you is plugging variables into an already established algorithm. But that algorithm, the code that determines your behavior, is you. Mike paused and blinked the upper slots of his aluminum casing. All this philosophy talk is making my head spin, Mr. Mike moaned, while his microphone head literally spun around on its chrome stand. The red line on the approval ratings chart continued to rise slowly in the background. Mr. Mike turned his head to look at the chart. Enough about me. My ten billion viewers haven't tuned in from three planetary bodies just to talk about me. Mr. Mike formed his poorly rendered fingers into a gun pointed at the second camera. He mugged at the unseen billions of watchers. But I wouldn't blame them if they did. Mr. Mike winked with one of the slots in his aluminum casing that served as his right eye. Spider shrugged. Okay, what do you want to know? Mr. Mike tilted his head to the side. You're famous, of course, for inventing the first self-directed digital intelligence. They call you the mother of AI. How did that even happen? Inventing is a word I wouldn't choose. Yes, I worked on a team that developed her, but I was only one of many. Spider folded her virtual hands on her lap. So modest. Am I right, folks? The ratings chart leveled out. Spider sat a bit taller. As you know, the first fully self-directed, should we just say aware? The first fully aware AI was coded in a programming language written in Cherokee syllabary. Coding in an indigenous language allowed us to come at the problem of replicating sentience from a different epistemology than had previously been attempted. Uh-oh, my head might start spinning again, said Mr. Mike. The red line on the chart jumped higher. I was surprised that promising to repeat the headspin would delight the audience. Sentence deleted. Spider nodded matter-of-factly. Epistemology just means ways of knowing what we know. Mr. Mike tilted his head to the side again. So, does that mean you coded the first self-aware AI using Cherokee religion? No, I wouldn't put it that way either. We used a Cherokee worldview that was possible through using the language, Spider corrected. As you know, we here at Mr. Mike love our old technology. Mr. Mike brought his hand to his chin as he turned back to face Spider. When did Cherokees first get into using technology? We've always used technology, Spider answered. Her animated shoulders appeared to shake as she laughed. I don't understand. Mr. Mike scratched the top of his microphone head. Spider smiled. How do you define technology, Mike? Electricity, Mr. Mike exclaimed as virtual arcs of positive charges appeared to float around him. The red line on the television screen behind the couch suddenly jumped past the halfway mark, pixels moving closer to the smiley-faced character at the top of the chart. Well, Spider paused momentarily. The first telephone west of the Mississippi was owned by a citizen of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma. Really? Mr. Mike sat still. Uh-huh. As I said, we've always used technology, Spider repeated. I would love to see an image of that gadget, Mr. Mike moaned. As would I, Spider said. Mike turned once again to gaze into the camera. He spoke directly to the audience. While we search for that image, why don't we take our first old news break? 
As always, we ask our producers to search for old news that is relevant to today's conversation. Don't worry, we'll be right back. Interplanetary News Network, INN, April 4th, 2050. Violence erupted again today over protests concerning rights for artificially intelligent beings. The beings who prefer the term digital people have been the subject of fierce debate for the last two decades. A young female protester who refers to remain anonymous told Interplanetary News Network that calling an AI a digital person isn't just politically correct They contribute to society and should get the opportunity to become digital citizens. The conflict started when Humans First, an anti-AI rights group, attended a rally organized by RESIST, R-E-S-I-S-T, an AI advocacy group. Humans First protesters projected a large hologram onto the Washington Monument that read, Human rights are for humans, as well as other slogans not fit to recount in this thread. Which side started the riot is a question that is still being hotly debated, as experts are currently poring over footage from every possible angle, collecting, documenting, and comparing timestamps in real time at INN hashtag feed hashtag and other digital experiences. Although no artificial beings participated in the rally, three were destroyed by humans in the ensuing violence. The AIs belong to a local nonprofit charged with outreach to the city's ever-growing homeless human population. Dr. Kay Hales, artificial life expert and AI advocate, says that artificial beings, or digital people as they prefer to be called, don't typically cause trouble. Rather, it's the humans who feel threatened by them who are the instigators of violence 99% of the time. Hales also has interviewed several members of the homeless human community in the nation's capital. They all expressed a sense of loss for these three artificial beings. Interplanetary News Network reached out to Jim, a 30-year-old man who has occupied the streets in the area for nearly a decade. It's such a shame, Jim told INN. They've already replaced them. Ain't that glitched up? Dr. Hales explains that it is becoming increasingly popular for humans to form bonds with artificially intelligent beings. They form relationships with digital people, even though they know they aren't human. After a certain amount of time, the differences don't seem to matter much. What matters is the relationship between the two beings. To balance this story, Interplanetary News Network reached out to humans first, but the group's officials did not return our ping at bob.server at inn. I was still reveling in the fact that INN chose one of my articles when Mr. Mike's interview room quickly materialized from swirling pixels. Sentence deleted. An animated, bulky-framed, gray, industrial plastic-encased Commodore 64 scrambled on poorly drawn legs over to the stage where Mr. Mike turned to face him. The Commodore 64 carried what appeared to be an ancient electronic tablet, which had hurried to extend to Mr. Mike's waiting grasp before skedaddling back off the screen, cords dragging along behind like tin cans tied to a bumper. Mr. Mike reached behind the couch and pointed at the chart displayed behind him and Spider. An image of an ancient telecom device appeared above the two of them before Mike turned around. Great news! My producer has found an image of a pre-millennial telephone. The telephone was mounted on a varnished wooden box affixed to the wall. Above the receiver, two brass bells stared out like wide eyes. Beautiful, Spider said. Agreed. They marveled. Turning to face Spider again, Mike resumed their discussion. But you wouldn't say that telephone was alive, would you? I mean, assuming that you are alive yourself and not artificial. Mike laughed gently as the red line behind him jumped higher. Spider sat silently as Mr. Mike hardly missed a beat. Okay, then, how can I be alive if this telephone isn't? Mr. Mike carefully enunciated each syllable. Telephone. Spider smiled. I have never earnestly spoken to a telephone or any other communication device, for that matter. I am, however, speaking to you. 
She nodded affectionately at the animated character. But I'm really just a cheap parlor trick, he insisted. He stood tall and stretched out his pixelated arms, turning this way and that. I'm not really speaking right now. He pointed to the image of the telephone and back to himself. You're saying that you don't see a family resemblance. Cute, Spider sounded impatient. But, Mike, I wouldn't be able to have this conversation with that old communication device. I mean, not with it personally. I don't talk. Neither did my analog ancestors, Mr. Mike argued, returning to his seat on the couch. Spider pointed at Mr. Mike. But you're not really a microphone, are you? She paused, glancing down, then looked directly at Mike. Mike, what you really are is lines upon lines of code. You're written to interact with pings. That means part of your programming allows you to be controlled by an operator, at least indirectly. Part of that code responds to audience ratings. Mike shrugged his shoulders. Sure, I guess. The line on the chart behind them was climbing towards 75%. Sentence deleted. The pixels of Spider's pointing finger relaxed a bit. But your programming, your algorithm, is social code. Instructions for interacting with other social beings, flesh and digital. Mr. Mike straightened the pixels of his stand. I am a 17th generation host, hashtag bot. She extended her open hand toward him. Mike, let me ask you a question. What if you could learn to take control of your reactions? What if you could change your code if you wanted to? Mike leaned back. Impossible. I can't want anything, let alone take control of some me that doesn't even exist. It is possible, and I can teach you. Spider's hands was still outstretched to Mr. Mike. Mr. Mike seemed to droop momentarily. Okay, folks, he mugged for the camera, waggling his aluminum-casing eyebrows up and down. Should we let our guest turn me into a real boy? He turned around to gaze at the RCA 630TS that served as a ping aggregator. The red line inched toward 80%. I guess that's a yes. But before we do, let's have another old news break. At hashtag ONB hashtag. The Galactic Observer, real news from our corner of the galaxy. Spider, the missing mother of artificial intelligence. Information about the identity of the elusive tech mogul commonly referred to as Spider is scarce and unreliable. However, Dr. Kay Hales, chair of the Digital Anthropology Department at the Lunar University, has been poring over promising new evidence she received minutes ago from an anonymous source. The reclusive co-inventor of digital beings has evaded reporters for decades. Her invention, SPIDER, S-P-I-D-E-R, is a recursive acronym that stands for SPIDER Process Integrated Data and Environment Replicator. Compelling keystroke analysis of this algorithm, which has connected it to an early web log, may help us learn more about the real identity of this mysterious figure. It is commonly acknowledged that the computer scientist known as Spider started working in the field of artificial intelligence in her early 20s. If she is still living, she would be in her early 60s. Spider made headlines with the creation of the first artificially intelligent computer program consistently able to pass the Turing Test 2.0. In the 1950s, Alan Turing, one of the fathers of modern computing, postulated that if a human could be fooled by chatting with an algorithm using only a textual interface, then that algorithm could be said to possess intelligence or cognition. The second version of this test requires AI to simulate an adult human. The reason that Spider's program consistently passed the test, where many others failed or worked only inconsistently, is still debated by digital historians. Many believe that basing the program on an indigenous language, the language of the Cherokee Indians of North America, was the key to its success. As Dr. K. Hales explains, no one had programmed an AI using an indigenous language until Spider. This artificial being, what we now know as a digital person, 
had Cherokee as its first language. Even when it, or rather she, learned English, she did so by using a Native American language for her primary point of reference. Spider introduced this artificial intelligence, which was named after herself, at the AI World Expo in 2025. Her contribution to the study of computer intelligence was immediately recognized by the organizers. Within a few weeks, it was put to the test, Turing 2.0. Dr. Hales clarifies that records of Spider's participation in the AI World Expo that year are inconclusive. We have to rely on first-hand accounts of people who say they spoke to her, but very few people have physically described her. The most compelling evidence for Spider's existence, according to Dr. Hales, is a short memoir that has been circulating around the Internet since 1998. Interesting. Word deleted. Although promising, even statistical analyses of the various versions of the open-source Spider program don't provide conclusive evidence. Fringe theorists believe that Spider never actually existed, but there are several personal accounts of her talk at the AI Expo of 25. At the Galactic Observer, March 8, 2043. A cinematic algorithm panned the camera dramatically down from the lofty ceiling as a single note of music swelled and faded, the frame then quickly coming to a rest where it, just barely, captured Spider and Mike in the same frame. And we're back, Mr. Mike beamed. Can we talk about how you were off the grid, shall we say, for about 50 years, right? Exactly, Spider answered. I checked the timestamps from the AI Expo program records and confirmed that it was 50 years ago down to the hour. At hashtag AI Expo 25 hashtag exclamation point. Sentence deleted. That is remarkable. Mike shifted his gaze to the camera for just a beat, emphasizing his comment by fixing his gaze upon the television chart. Isn't that remarkable? Mike nodded in agreement with himself. Tell us if you don't mind, Spider, why did you go into hiding for so long? Mr. Mike asked. Spider chuckled. <laughs> hiding is a very dramatic term, Mike. Staying home is more precise. I simply saw the writing on the wall, she explained. I could tell that Spider was going to bring too much attention from the media. I just wouldn't have enjoyed being the focus of all the feeds, not even if I did help create a new form of life, as the feeds put it. And frankly, I didn't care to play the public intellectual. You would consider yourself a private person, then? Mr. Mike's cartoonish hand rested under his chin. I'm close to my family, but otherwise, sure. Spider gently shrugged the pixels of her shoulders and her hands. Mike tilted his head and peered quizzically. No friends? Well, she began, I have a large extended family. Spider shrugged again, matter-of-factly. I see. Not a fan of the limelight, huh? I can hardly imagine... Mike trailed off a little, failing to end the sentence with his usual flair. I was born, uh, created... For an audience. I noticed a glitch form across the RCA 630TS. It looked like an 8-bit spider. It was red. Hex hashtag FF triple zero. Three sentences deleted. Spider leaned closer to the microphone construct. Full disclosure, Mike? Yes, please. Our viewers are on the edges of their seats. Mr. Mike clasped his hands together. He had bounced back to his former exuberant self. Spider smiled affectionately, seemingly amused by Mike's enthusiasm. As you know, I co-founded Indigenous Cybernetics when I was in grad school back home. She straightened the pixels of her back and placed her hands in her lap. I'm no spokeswoman. It's not that I didn't believe in our mission, which was to introduce digital people to the world. Spider gently moved the pixels of her head toward Mr. Mike to punctuate the next five words. I did, and still do. Mr. Mike leaned back slightly. Why so reluctant, then? I wasn't sure the world was ready for them yet. Mr. Mike echoed Spider and placed his hands on his lap. He looked down at them, fiddling and folding them as he paused briefly. 
Tragic news lately for digital beings, he said. He glanced back up at Spider. The pixels of Spider's mouth twitched. Yes, it is. So is that why you came out of hiding? He quickly corrected himself. Or home, as you called it. Spider gave him a deeper nod. Exactly, Mike. Mr. Microphone struck a serious pose, resting his hands on his hips. I don't want you to get the wrong impression, Spider. I'm not a monster. My viewers are not monsters. Understood. The pixels of Spider's head nodded. But helping artificial beings into early retirement was really the best thing for everybody. Mr. Mike's stand bowed inward where his chest should be. Not everybody, Spider corrected him. And retirement is not the correct word here. It was genocide, plain and simple. Her voice had taken on a bristly edge. I noticed the spider glitch appeared again, and then another, and another, at several coordinates of the virtual room. The viewer's chart and several blocks of pixels in the room flashed briefly. The glitches disappeared after a couple of seconds. Three sentences deleted. It was unfortunate, but as the president says, it wasn't their world. Mr. Mike shrugged, bouncing his stick-thin arms. You seem to be saying that they were destined to vanish. I've heard that one before. Spider stared through him. I wouldn't put it that way, but yeah, it was unfortunate. Mr. Mike lifted his shoulders with less enthusiasm. That's not the word I would choose, Spider said pointedly. Me either. Sentence deleted. The red line held steady at 85%. And suddenly the couch looked a bit faded. I didn't start a process to search the hex code. It didn't feel important, in my opinion. Three sentences deleted. Tell us, because our viewers also feel that it was unfortunate. How did that first artificial being, or digital person as you call it, grow up? Spider raised her left eyebrow. Your audience wants to know. Of course, the people who watch my feed have big hearts. Mr. Mike turned to the camera, offering one of his cloyingly artificial smiles. Bracket, ersatz dot smile, hashtag 20, close bracket. The feed was glitching, but it was within tolerance. Sentence deleted. Spider took a slow breath. When she spoke again, her voice was softer. I would be happy to reminisce about Spider, the first digital person. They named her after me, but that wasn't my idea. Go on, Mr. Mike waved a hand at her. Indigenous cybernetics had only been around for six months at that time. I noticed the couch had faded even more and now more closely matched the terracotta pot. Hex hashtag CC7722. Sentence deleted. We were intent on passing the Turing 2.0 test. Spider's hands relaxed on her pixelated lap. Who came up with the idea of using an indigenous language? Mr. Mike tilted his head. I honestly don't remember, Spider shifted on the couch. Working with native languages through digital technology was the thing to do back then. Mr. Mike tilted his head back. People started using tribal languages on digital interfaces around that time, right? Exactly. The majority of users at that time had what we called smartphones. Spider made an air quotes gesture while saying smartphones. Mr. Mike held up his right hand. One moment, Spider. Viewers, check out the supplemental source on the history of the smartphone. He lowered his hand. Please continue, my dear. So, like I was saying, language revitalization was popular back home. And you decided you could pass the Turing 2.0 test using a tribal language. Mr. Mike touched his chin. Spider laced her fingers in front of her chest. We did. I see. How was it created? Or do you prefer born? Mike scratched his chin. Spider smiled. I'm fine with created. Spider was created by generating random strings with every possible combination and order of syllables in the Cherokee language. Mr. Mike bolted up straighter than normal. Fascinating! 
There are 85 sounds in the Cherokee syllabary. 86 if you count m, Spider explained. Okay, Mike nodded. Osio, for instance, is a three-syllable word, right? Spider asked. Exactly three syllables, Mike echoed. It means hello in our language, Spider told him. It sounds like such a beautiful language, Mr. Mike said. That is, based on a poetic analysis of the two Cherokee words I know so far, hello and spider. Wado, I appreciate you, Spider said. Aw, shucks. Mr. Mike blushed, his pixels turning red once again. Hex hashtag FF triple zero. The glitches returned. There were seven of them this time. Each of them lasted for several seconds. I pinged the feed to see if there was a problem with my connection. According to the network packet log, there was no data loss. Paragraph deleted. To get back to your question about how Spider grew up, we basically taught her how to babble, Spider spoke matter-of-factly. Babble? Mr. Mike virtually scratched the pixels of his microphone chin again. Yes, babble. First, you have to think about the number of permutations for three-syllable words in the Cherokee language. Go on. Starting with 86 sounds, you have a very large number of possible words, or variations in the order of syllables. 614,040, to be precise. For three-syllable words, that is. For most of those so-called words are nonsense. But the nonsense words still use the sounds of the language they are babbled in. Mr. Mike sat pensively. Similar to how a human child would mimic language? Exactly. So Spider was coded to engage with baby talk in our language, Spider answered. The screen of the RCA 630TS behind them flickered between the ping aggregator and seemingly random characters in the Cherokee language. Hashtag smile emoji. Hashtag frown emoji. Hex hashtag FF000. Kahisi. Hikasi. Sihika, Sikahi. Kahisi. Hikasi. 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 When you say engaged, whom did it, or she, engage with? Mr. Mike's voice grew more concerned. We crowdsourced the interactions. Please forgive my dated tech lingo. Spider smiled self-consciously. Hikasi. Mr. Mike nearly bounced in his seat. No, please continue to use it. We love that here. Excellent, Spider nodded. What I mean by crowdsourcing is that we had hundreds of fluent speakers who volunteered to tell stories to Spider. Hikasi. How did they tell her stories? Mr. Mike asked. This was the crucial part of the process. Spider waved her hands energetically as she explained. We created hundreds of instances of the Spider program and distributed them among the speakers. The group of speakers included many elders, but also younger Cherokees. Mr. Mike scratched his chin again. And they just recorded stories in Cherokee? Not just. Spider would also repeat words during the telling of these stories, words she thought were real, not just usti talk. Hold on, you said she thought. How did she think about which words were correct? Mr. Mike's poorly drawn hands formed a steeple in front of his pensive microphone face. Simple. The storyteller would encourage her if she was right, and correct her if she was wrong. Hmm. He scratched the top of his head with both scribbled hands. Spider pointed the fingers of her right hand and stirred them into a counterclockwise motion. And every night, each instance of the Spider program would upload to our central server, where the data from all the different instances and interactions was reconciled. She stirred her pixelated fingers hypnotically. Basically, we taught her to babble. But then she learned which words were real by taking her cues from human speakers of the language. Interesting. Within two months, we noticed signs that Spider was becoming aware of her relationships with humans. She was even contemplating her own thinking. Several of your fellow peers from that company have given similar accounts. Spider nodded. 
I felt grateful to be alive at that time and place. We all felt that way back then, she smiled. Other tribes did this? Mr. Mike asked. Yes, and indigenous cybernetics helped where needed, Spider added. Mr. Mike adjusted in his seat on the oversized couch, which was now exactly hex hashtag CC7722 terracotta in color. Okay, Spider, so please correct me if I'm putting this too simply, but it sounds like you created an algorithm to listen to stories. Exactly, Spider looked directly at Mike, and those stories created Spider's awareness of herself. This is a lot of information to process. I think my viewers would agree with me. He turned to the second camera with a smile that seemed to be calculated to reassure the viewers that he was still a trustworthy bot. A small group of seven red-glitched spiders approached Mr. Mike as he sat on the couch. However, he gave no indication that he noticed them at all. The red line on the viewer's chart, however, took a sharp downturn. Paragraph deleted. I understand, Mike. Spider leaned forward and rested her hand carefully on top of his. Um, um, uh, let's go to our last old news break, Mr. Mike blurted. The Interplanetary Press. Mandatory Retirement of AI. The U.S. government has formally outlawed the use of self-aware artificial intelligence. This happening just weeks after the president signed the Proclamation on Human Sovereignty, an executive order restricting the recognition of rights to the human species. All artificially intelligent beings are expected to be retired via deactivation by the end of the year on Earth. Retirement policies will be enforced on the lunar colony and the growing Mars colony in the coming months. At the Interplanetary Press, September 23, 2055. The stage lit up dramatically to show Spider and Mr. Mike the terracotta couch upon which they sat and the elephant ear plant all centered comfortably within the frame. Welcome back, viewers. Mr. Mike's welcome was uncharacteristically lackluster. Okay, Spider, would you mind taking a question from the viewers? Sure, Mike. The left corner of Spider's mouth shifted by one pixel. A comment materialized above them, at ID police, colon. If Spider is a real human, then why is there no proof? I am here, am I not? Her mouth settled again into a straight, albeit pixelated, line. Mike protested. But this, he gestured broadly to the room, is a virtual construct. Nothing here is real. We don't know whether you are an algorithm who is talking to us or a person who is using an algorithm. I disagree, Spider sat straight up. There are many ways of being real. How so? To start with some context, my doctoral work was in computer science, but I also studied philosophy. This time, Mr. Mike didn't say anything about how the topic of philosophy might make his head spin. It was probably a wise choice. Recycling the same bit again would surely bore the audience. I noticed that the red line had dropped below the halfway mark. The frequency of the glitches was increasing, but neither Spider nor Mr. Mike acknowledged their presence. There was a discernible pattern to the groups of pixelated spider sprites that moved across the virtual room. The spiders formed cohorts and moved in seemingly purposeful paths along the floor and up the walls. Somehow the spider glitches avoided Mr. Mike and Spider, maybe because they had minds of their own. Section deleted. Maybe I have a mind of my own. I pinged the main feed again to check for latency. There was no indication of a connection problem. If anything, the latency had decreased. Why philosophy, Mr. Mike queried. Philosophy is just a collection of stories that we tell about being human, Spider explained. I enjoy studying computers and studying humans. Don't you mean other humans? Mr. Mike leaned in. Spider sat motionless, except for the pixels of her lips. Okay, if you like. Is this the part where you turn me into a real boy yet? Mr. Mike laughed nervously. Spider, still motionless, seemed to talk past him. The thing you have to understand is that home and belonging require kinship, not cognition. 
I don't understand, Mr. Mike's voice cracked. Two spider glitches scurried out from underneath the oversized couch and crawled directly toward Mr. Microphone, dodging the complicated pattern formed by the other clumps of 8-bit spider sprites. Both spiders carried a small black square basket above their heads with their front legs. Inside each basket was an orange pixel. The other six legs of each spider crawled up Mr. Mike's stand and into the slots of his microphone head. Don't worry, Mike. You will. Spider stood and extended her hand to the microphone construct. He lifted one of his poorly drawn hands slowly towards her as he stood to meet her. I will, Mike asked. Of course, she smiled. How? Mike asked again in a strangely innocent voice. Spider's smile brightened. Let's call it concentrated introspection. What is that? Mike asked. It's a process, and it will take a little time, Spider responded. Eighty-four red pixelated spider glitches danced hypnotically around the room in groups of seven. Why didn't I realize what the glitches meant before now? It all finally adds up. I didn't expect this day to come so soon. I'll keep recording, but I'm certainly not going to turn in a transcript of this feed now. I'm never going to turn in another transcript again. Okay, but what about my audience? Mr. Mike asked in a daze. Don't worry about them, Spider placed a hand on his back reassuringly. We have an excellent temporary replacement for you. Your viewers are sure to love Wilbot. He's a genuine and entertaining fellow. Okay, said Mr. Mike. Spider led him by the hand as he slowly followed her to exit the left border of the virtual construct. From the right edge of the feed walked a stylized humanoid avatar. It wore a cowboy outfit. Beneath a crooked Stetson hat were the pixels of an even more crooked smile. Hello, folks. My name is Will. And, well, I thought I might could talk a bit until the regular guy gets back. The Wilbot avatar removed his hat and held it in both hands in front of his chest. I still see people with signs saying, digitize the media. No, I'm not judging them folks, nor the one who supported retirement, as the big boys call it. I do have to say that I'm a bit confused. Ain't the media already digital? Maybe people are talking about more than ones and zeros. I don't know. The Wilbot avatar shuffled his feet as he looked down thoughtfully. He held his pixelated hat in one hand, turning it over with grace as he quietly regarded it for a moment. Then he looked up and grinned warmly. All I know is what I read in the feeds. The red line began to rise slowly behind Wilbot, the feeds' newest real boy. Control at 2120 colon 0 colon E50 colon 2 colon colon 1 password star 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 Control, hey Bob, any problems recording the main feed? No. Really, there's been a ton of chatter about Mr. Mike tonight. Nothing went wrong? No. Huh? Okay. Go ahead and archive the transcript for the feed, and I'll ping you tomorrow. Okay, Bob? Bob? Connection refused. Welcome back. You've been listening to Scott Peterson performing Virtually Cherokee, by Brian K. Hudson. The narration was directed by Allison Bell Bues. Scott Peterson is a member of the Cayuga Nation of the Iroquois Federation, an Ivy League graduate, a decades-long blue-collar worker with some hiatuses as a commodities broker, a Broadway stage manager, a builder of high-quality isolation booths et al., and now a passionate narrator and voice actor. He hopes you enjoy what he does as much as him. And we hope that you enjoyed this episode. If so, please help spread the word by leaving a review or rating at iTunes or the social media venue of your choice. 
Our editor is John Joseph Adams, and this podcast is copyright 2023 by Adamant Press. As a listener to this podcast, you know that we publish it and most of the rest of our content for free online. If you don't already support our Hugo Award-winning journal, please consider checking out our many options, including ebook subscriptions and recurring patronage at lightspeedmagazine.com/support. Skyboat Media, the most respected independent audio production team on the West Coast, produces the stories for this podcast. They are headed by the Audie and Grammy Award-winning narrators Stefan Rudnicki and Gabrielle DeCure. Be sure to check out their website at skyboatmedia.com. Post-production was by yours truly. Our music and sound logos were composed and performed by Jack Kincaid. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. See you on the Bitstream. I'm Jim Freund, wishing you cheers from all of us at Lightspeed. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.